the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blinn producing, Sam Maupin engineering today's program. We're going to uh, take a look at some of the uh, headlines for the day. And we'll also take a look at the lighter side of the news in the second half of this first hour and in the second hour of the georgine rice show we'll share this week's christian outlook we'll hear from don crow one of my counterparts so he will talk with todd nettleton chief of media relations for voice of the martyrs about his new book when faith is forbidden 40 days on the front lines with persecuted christians we'll also hear an interview with albert moeller he talked with rod dreyer about his book uh Live Not by Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents that encourages Christians to be prepared to live faithfully through challenging times. And we'll also hear Dr. Moeller's commentary about religious liberty, including what happens within the context of the ministry of the church in response to Canada passing a ban on so-called conversion therapy. That's all coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, first, taking a look at some of the news, as you may know, the U.S. Supreme Court today heard arguments in favor of and in opposition to the president's uh, vaccine mandates. They seemed split along ideological lines on the vaccine requirements affecting nearly 100 million workers. Well, the court heard the arguments today in a pretty high stakes public session to decide whether the U.S. government can bring um, enforcement sweeping COVID-19 vaccine requirements affecting nearly, as I mentioned, 100 million workers. For three hours and 40 minutes, they heard oral arguments over federal vaccine and testing rules for businesses with 100 employees or more, and on vaccine mandates for healthcare workers at facilities receiving Medicaid and Medicare funding. Well, enforcement of the policies, which were announced in November, has been put on hold pending resolution in the high court. And while while they tend to move very slowly in terms of making decisions, a decision is expected before the end of the month this time around. Well, in early arguments, Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Neil Gorsuch, they suggested that government officials had overstepped with Roberts declaring that it is hard to argue that officials had been given the power to act by Congress. Justice Brett Kavanaugh also noted that Congress had yet to pass any type of vaccine mandate or statute which they have the authority to do. This is something the federal government has never done before, Chief Justice John Roberts said. Justice Amy Coney Barrett uh, went on to suggest that one of the problems with the rule was its broad scope, while Justice Clarence Thomas suggested that the federal government may have greater powers during the pandemic. But liberal justices on the bench made clear early today that they would back the federal mandates, at least as it applies to larger businesses. Justice Elena Kagan said that the president and the administration have shown quite clearly that there is not another policy that will prevent sickness and death to anyone like the degree that this one will. 
Justice Stephen Breyer also said he found it unbelievable that it could be in the public interest to put vaccine mandates for employees on hold as cases of the highly transmissible Omicron variant of COVID-19 surge across the nation and as hospitals reach capacity. Well, the high court has the uh, the option of issuing a brief administrative order on whether to stay enforcement of the mandate, which could come as early as Friday well, sometime today or over the weekend, as more complete written ruling uh, explaining its decision would likely come later. At this point, the Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, mask mandate was set to go into effect on Monday, the 7th of uh, January, while its uh, testing mandate is set to kick in uh, next month, February 9th. OSHA has said it would not impose fines on businesses that don't comply before late February. Well, does the federal government object to our taking a couple of days maybe to think about this, to digest the arguments before people start losing jobs? That was the question posed by Justice Samuel Alito. The attorney representing the government, Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogger, argued that OSHA found there is a grave harm every day and the number, numbers are stark, but later said that if the court believes it needs additional time, it can take it. We think that there are lives being lost every day, she repeated, adding that specifically for keeping the vaccine mandate for health care workers on hold will likely result in hundreds of thousands of deaths and serious illness from COVID-19 that could otherwise be prevented. Now, that's an interesting statement, given that the severity of COVID has reduced significantly and hospital Hospitalization has also reduced dramatically. Well, Justice Thomas asked Prelogger uh, whether there are other tools and methods OSHA could have used instead rather than the vaccine mandate. But um, she said she maintained rather that the requirement is the single most effective way of targeting what OSHA is seeking to combat, including serious illness, transmission and more. Vaccination provides protection on all those fronts. And it went on from there. And again, a decision is expected from the Supreme Court, perhaps a temporary decision as early as this weekend, but a final decision they're telling us could come before the end of the month. Meanwhile, a Texas federal judge ordered yesterday that the Food and Drug Administration has to accelerate the release of the data it relied on to license the Pfizer, Inc. BioNTech COVID-19 two-dose injection marketed by Comirnaty. Well, U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman ordered the FDA to produce more than 12,000 pages on or before the end of the month, the 31st, and to produce the remaining documents at a rate of 55,000 pages every 30 days, with the first production being due on or before March the 1st, 2022, until production is complete. Well, the court's order now expedites the FDA's uh, proposed timeline by approximately 75 years and four months. Well, the agency previously said it can complete or would complete a Freedom of Information Act request by a group of health professionals seeking an estimated 450,000 pages of material about the injection. Well, now, rather than producing 500 pages a month, the FDA must turn over 55,000 pages a month and all the Pfizer data should be public by the end of the summer rather than by the end of um, the year 2097. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've been taking a look at some of the day's news. Later this hour, we'll also take a look at the lighter side of the news, so I hope you'll stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, the Friday edition. Our second hour, we'll share with you the Christian outlook, so I hope you'll stick around. Some great interviews 
coming up. Well, former President Donald Trump fired back after the president's January 6th speech, claiming the Democrat has completely and totally failed. Well, the former president responded to uh, the sharp criticism he received, claiming his Democratic successor was trying to distract the public from his abysmal record. Biden used my name today to try to further divide America. Well, the truth is he never actually said his name. He only referred to his former position. This political theater is all just a distraction for the fact that Biden is completely and totally failed. Many are speculating there may be a matchup, a rematch coming in uh, 2024 if uh, Donald Trump decides to run and the current president decides to run for reelection. In other developments, CBS News buried a poll result showing strong bipartisan agreement that January 6th was a protest that went too far. Liz Cheney says the January 6th committee goal isn't to prevent Trump 2024, saying the probe should transcend partisanship. One can only hope. Ted Cruz backtracked on calling January 6th the violent terrorist attack, saying it was a mistake. Chicago public schools canceled classes for a third straight day as the battle with the teachers union continues. The um, canceled classes went into the third day. It's expected to continue into next week. Pedro Martinez, chief executive for the Chicago public schools, told parents on Thursday evening to plan for another day without classes unless they hear otherwise. They didn't. The latest announcement came after Chicago Mary, Mayor rather Lori Lightfoot blasted the teachers union, accusing it of attempting to hold students' education hostage. She went on to say, I will not allow the Chicago Teachers Union to take our children hostage. I will not allow them to compromise the future of this generation of CPS students. That is not going to happen, she told reporters. However, there was no school today. In other developments, Obama's education secretary, Arn Duncan, has uh, hinted at a run against Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. A Chicago Public Health Commissioner blasted school closures brought on by the teachers union, saying he's disappointed. The Biden administration plans to have the U.S. Postal Service mail 500 million coronavirus at-home test kits. The White House plans to work with the Postal Service to mail the 500 million to Americans in the coming weeks to address the testing kick shortage amid the recent Omicron surge. Officials hope to start shipping tests within the month. They'll be sent to people who request them on a yet-to-be-launched government website, the Washington Post reported, citing four sources who spoke on condition of anonymity. So take it for what it's worth. The plan is yet to be officially announced. Confirmation could come soon as next week, a source um, says. The Biden administration awarded its first testing contract to a manufacturer on Thursday, but the name of the company wasn't reported either. The Postal Service may ask its 40,000 seasonal holiday workers to stay on to help distribute the test. Vice President Harris draws uh, comparisons to Jimmy Carter over her malaise com- um, comment, and the FDA has been ordered to speed up approval data for COVID-19 vaccines. MSNBC's Chris Hayes and others are asking what happened to COVID preparedness funds for schools. A lot of people are asking that question. A Washington Post fact checker backtracked after Tom Cotton correctly predicted the Boston bomber would receive a COVID stimulus check. He did, and he spent it. A Colorado judge slammed government uh, Governor Paulus' uh, lack of respect in reducing a truck driver's sentence by 100 years. A Texas school superintendent has been placed on leave amid a misconduct investigation. And change your car's color with an app? BMW has unveiled a color-changing car. You might want it gray one day, blue another. 
Well, the Supreme Court heard arguments against the Biden vaccine mandates today, as I mentioned earlier. A new poll has Biden's approval sinking to 36 percent of note in this poll. It's the lowest among the 18 to 34 crowd at 28 percent, and he's nearly 40 points underwater among independent voters. Only four states have him above water. There are 32 Senate seats up for election in 2022. Only three are in states where Biden is above water. John Strassel. He says the January 6th panel ignored true failures, saying that members made no secret they hoped to prove a coup plot run from the White House. Yet in all its 725 prosecutions, the Justice Department hasn't presented a scintilla of evidence supporting the hypothesis. Neither has the committee, even after 300 witnesses or texts from the former White House chief of staff. Twisting in the wind are the urgent issues the committee won't explore. In a memo this week to colleagues, Illinois Representative Rodney Davis, the ranking Republican on the House Administration Committee, which has jurisdiction over the Capitol complex, noted that the select committee, a year after the riot, is no closer to finding out what led to the catastrophic security failure, even as the security situation has arguably deteriorated because of Capitol Police resignations and poor morale. Well, blue cities are searching for answers as homicide soared in 2021. Philadelphia, Portland, yes, the Oregon version, Louisville, Kentucky and Albuquerque, New Mexico have their deadliest years on record. Philadelphia, the nation's sixth largest city, had 562 homicides, surpassing its previous high of 500 set in 1990. Later in that same story, new mayors were elected in major cities last year with tough on crime messages. New York City Mayor Eric Adams, a retired New York Police Department captain, promised to reinstate a plainclothes anti-crime unit that was criticized as being too aggressive in the past. Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens promised to hire hundreds of new police officers. We'll see what happens. President Biden admits shutting down the economy is the wrong move. Uh, his oft-repeated and spirited campaign vow that he would shut down the virus has given way to his concession that, in reality, there's no federal solution. The California Assembly is missing dozens of Democrats after a super spreader party, a going away party for a uh, member. Not sure if they were masked at the time. Once again, the Washington Post corrects a story about Tom Cotton. And a news story now admits that the vaccine may change a woman's cycle. You might remember when that was labeled a conspiracy theory. Katie Pavlich points out uh, there's no evidence the Wuhan coronavirus vaccine affects reproductive health. Me. Uh, There's no evidence because it hasn't been fully studied. A lot of questions yet to be answered. The Supreme Court has taken on the Biden vaccine mandate. Answers are expected shortly. Job numbers fail to meet expectations. The December employment numbers are in and for the second month in a row missed the mark. Just 199,000 jobs were added, falling well short of the anticipated 422,000. Even the apparent silver lining of a drop in the unemployment rate down to 3.9 percent fails to account for the existence of a widespread labor shortage. Staffing remains a major problem for businesses, perhaps especially within the healthcare industry. 2021 may have seen a record number of positions added, but only after millions more jobs were killed in 2020. The fact of the matter remains that the total employment number has yet to reach pre-pandemic levels. Millions fewer Americans are working today than before COVID, despite 11 million openings. 
The Atlantic Fed is tracking a 6.7% growth in GDP through the end of the year, yet inflation continues at a 40-year high. Throwing even more cold water on the worrying job numbers is the fact that this latest reporting period doesn't include the spike in COVID due to the Omicron variant. Could January's numbers be even worse? Well, new minimum wage hikes will slow economic recovery uh, began in 25 states and 58 cities with the ringing in of 2022. It comes as no surprise that the states and cities enacting the largest minimum wage increases are run by Democrats or that they also happen to be places from which residents are fleeing. While increased minimum wage sounds good, it's hard to overstate their real world impact on workers and the economy. Employment Policies Institute Managing Director Michael Saltzman observes, and I quote, we know the damage that sharply rising minimum wage mandate have caused prior to the pandemic. Now, despite the track record of past harm, minimum wage advocates are instead moving the goalposts without assessing the extent of losses created by minimum wage hikes, despite the hardship of the last two years. And CBS hit an inconvenient January 6th polling data. The uh, CBS News and YouGov conducted a poll on Americans' perspective on the events of January 6th, 2021. CBS highlighted that while 85% of Democrats viewed the event as an insurrection, only 21% of Republicans surveyed agreed with that description. In a blatant bit of uh, propaganda, what CBS failed to note is that the poll also showed 80% of Republicans believe that January 6th was a protest that went too far. In fact, an even higher percentage of supporters, 84%, agreed. The poll indicates that the vast majority have rejected the false narrative that the uh, January 6th riot was an insurrection as it is uh, defined. A federal judge tossed a lawsuit challenging Joe Biden's authority to block the Keystone Pipeline, saying the court has no jurisdiction and the case must be dismissed as moot. The U.S. Air Force has been accused of lowering standards for its elite unit to accommodate a female candidate. The military branch admitted changing norms. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in a moment. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, we'll Share the Christian outlook. We'll hear from uh, Ted Nettleton, Chief of Media Relations for the Voice of the Martyrs. We'll talk about the book, When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. Albert Moeller will talk with Rod Dreyer about his book, uh, Live Not by Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents. And Dr. Albert Moeller will talk about religious liberty, including what happens within the context of the ministry of the church in response to Canada passing a ban on so-called conversion therapy. All of that coming up in the second hour. Now, typically, we take a look at the lighter side of the news, and we'll do that in just a few moments. But I did want to mention a few straight headlines before we get to that. Well, in a case of re-re-relocating the goalposts, Moderna's CEO says a fourth COVID vaccine, <laughs> uh, a fourth uh, COVID vaccine dose will likely be necessary. Well, in a case of irony, the Mayo Clinic dropped 700 workers for lacking COVID vaccination. Pope Francis ripped couples who have pets instead of children, calling them selfish and self-centered. And sports stars risked the cancel culture to speak out as a gender dysphoric male swimmer breaks women's records. 
Former New York Times columnist Nick Kristoff has been booted from the ballot in the Oregon governor's race. Apparently, the residency requirements not met. Lawrence Brooks, the oldest U.S. veteran in World War II, has died. He was 112 years old. Rest in peace, Mr. Brooks, a man of faith. Also, Sidney Portier has uh, passed away. He was 94. Mortgage rates hit their highest level since May of 2020, and uh, former President Trump's new social media platform is expected to launch in February the 21st. The world is watching Kazakhstan because of the country's vast natural resources, including gas, oil, coal, and minerals, making it an important area for energy giants like ExxonMobil, Shell, and Chevron. Others are eyeing the country as well. Well, on this day in history, 1789, America holds its first presidential election as voters choose electors who, a month later, would select George Washington to be the nation's first executive uh, chief executive. Washington, the president. 1904, the Marconi International Marine Communication Company of London announces that the telegraphed letters CQD would serve as a maritime distress call. It would later be replaced with SOS. 1927, commercial transatlantic telephone service is inaugurated between New York and London. 1953, President Truman announces in his State of the Union message to Congress that the United States has developed a hydrogen bomb. 1959, the United States recognizes the new government of Cuba six days after Fidel Castro led the overthrow of uh, Batista. 1972, Louis F. Powell Jr. and William H. Rehnquist are sworn in as the 99th and 100th members of the U.S. Supreme Court. On this day in history, 1979, Vietnamese forces capture the Cambodian capital of Phnom Penh, overthrowing the Khmer Rouge government. 1999, for the second time in history, an impeached American president goes on trial before the Senate as President Bill Clinton faces charges of perjury and obstruction of justice. 2004, President George W. Bush proposes legal status, at least temporarily, for millions of immigrants improperly working in the U.S. And finally, on this day in history, 2015, masked gunmen stormed the Paris offices of Charlie Hebdo, a French newspaper that had caricatured the Prophet Muhammad, methodically killing 12 people before escaping. Well, it makes for an awkward segue, but nonetheless, we'll take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. You know, it's the new year, and there are lots of firsts when the new year rolls around. Well, in California, there was a first. A pair of twins born 15 minutes apart, but in different years. It was rather unique. Well, these California twins were born just 15 minutes apart, but one in 2021, the other in 2022, with um, making the spread something of an interesting phenomenon. Mother Fatima Madrigal gave birth to a baby Alfredo Trujillo at 1145 on Saturday night. The um, Navidad Medical Center announced on Sunday, well, just 15 minutes later, Alfredo's sister, Yolanda Trujillo, was born exactly at midnight uh, in a new year with a different birthday. The uh, little girl weighed five pounds, 14 ounces, while big brother Alfredo weighed six pounds, one ounce, according to People. It's crazy to me that they are twins and have different birthdays, says the mother speaking to the press. I was surprised and happy that she arrived at midnight. Well, the mother was surprised that her twins won't share the same birthday. Um, the little girl was born 15 minutes after her brother. 
Well, two New Hampshire brothers have gotten their holiday re-gifting skills down to an art. They've been passing the same hard candy back and forth for over 30 years. Well, it started in 1987 when Ryan Wasson gave a 10-roll Frankfurt Santa's candy book with assorted fruit flavors to his brother Eric Wasson as a joke for Christmas, knowing that Eric wouldn't like it. I didn't eat them, Eric said. And so the next year I thought, I think I'm going to give it back to him. He'll never remember. Well, Ryan immediately recognized it. They've been taking turns ever since, keeping a log of their exchanges. They've gotten creative about it. Ryan Wasson told the station, or television station local, the candy has been frozen in a block of ice and put in jello, adding, uh, he one time sewed it into a teddy bear. The tradition has also involved family members, co-workers, and even a sheriff's department. Last year, it was presented to Ryan Wasson on a silver platter at a restaurant. This year, Ryan Wasson turned to a group on social media for ideas. Suggestions included having uh, it arrive via a pizza delivery or Christmas carolers, hiding it in a book or cake, or holding a scavenger hunt with clues. Well, if you ask which one has ever done the best as far as giving these, um, we're going to uh, say it's ourself, right? Said one of the brothers. We're never going to give in, <clears throat> and the tradition will continue. Although I would imagine, given the way it's been delivered over the last 30 years, the deterioration must be obvious. Well, in another story, a cat was reunited with its Colorado family after being accidentally donated to a thrift store along with an old recliner. <laughs> accidentally, in quotes, you know, the hand quotes, accidentally donated to a thrift store. Apparently, the family just doesn't want to admit, we've had enough of you, you're going. Well, Denver Animal Protection said personnel responded to the ARC thrift store in Denver when employees discovered there was a cat hiding inside a recliner chair that had been donated earlier in the day. Well, DAP was able to extract the feline, that's the uh, ARC uh, thrift store. They were able to um, extract the feline from the chair, but employees found the animal's microchip information was out of date. Well, fortunately, the family that donated the chair had discovered the cat was missing and went back to the thrift store to see if the see rather if the feline had stowed away in the seat, which apparently it had done in the past. The store directed the family to the um, Department of uh, the Denver Animal Protection, and they were reunited. The cat named Montequilla. Uh, wasn't injured and was reunited with the family. Not sure if the family or the cat were happy with the reunion. Well, Panther the cat finally rescued uh, after days-long uh, stay atop a 36-foot utility pole. The cat had no, had no trouble getting up, but did have some difficulty getting down. He stayed put uh, despite efforts by his owner and others to coax him down in Aurora, Colorado. Well, for at least two days and maybe more, residents of a suburban Denver neighborhood, they worried about the fate of a black cat called Panther, who had perched atop the 36-foot utility pole. He stayed put despite efforts uh, by lots of people to try to coax him down. Neither pleading nor enticement of food did the trick. The cat went missing earlier in the week and was first spotted atop the pole on Wednesday. So we're not really sure how long the thing had been on there. Everybody's been just like, um, put food down and it'll come down eventually. Didn't happen. Well, Meadows, uh, one of the owners, said that she and other neighbors called Aurora Animal Control. Uh, Everyone says they can't do anything. Well, standard practice, according to another utility, is to give the cat time to make their way down 
on their own. Well, news of Panthers' plight reached Aurora. Council member Curtis Gardner and city officials dispatched a ladder uh, a ladder truck Friday afternoon. After getting the uh, truck into place, firefighters rescued the cat. Well, Panther uh, seemed eager to step into a pet carrier. Kimberly Medina, another uh, uh, Panther co-owner, said that he had always been allowed outside. No more. Never again. So another cat down, apparently, in this um, in this case. Hey, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're just taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. Second hour, the Christian Outlook. So stick around. There's a lot of good conversation to be had. Well, UK residents were left reeling after a crazed gray squirrel went on a wild Christmas rampage in Buckley, Wales, injuring a staggering 18 people in two days. Well, Facebook posts detailed Rocky's reign of terror, and they're going viral. Warning vicious squirrel that attacks, wrote one in the Buckley Residence Facebook group on the 26th of December, along with a grainy photo of the furry culprit on a fence post, has bitten me, attacked my friend, and multiple other people. Well, it also attacked... um, Two Bengals, I assume those are cats, who fear nothing, and my neighbor's Bengal cats as well, as well, do not go out of my house as it is lurking. Well, another bite recipient uh, said that she was taking out the recycling when the psycho squirrel jumped out at her from behind the bins and chomped on her hand. I've got teeth marks, and there were actual pictures posted. Uh, top and bottom of my finger, she lamented. It's a uh, proper latched on and I had to shake it off. He's taken the top layer off my knuckle. His teeth are like pins. Well, Davidson also uploaded pictures of her body, her bloody finger, rather, to the Facebook group with the caption. It had me good uh, referring to the bite. Well, the nutty critter, which has since been dubbed Stripe um, after the evil character from Gremlins reportedly didn't discriminate in its attacks, lashing out at the elderly, children, pets alike, biting them everywhere from heads to legs. Well, nowhere was safe as the critter would launch at people in the gardens and even chase them down the road. Well, many of the victims had to receive tetanus shots after getting savaged. Well, after arriving at the hospital, I had to have a tetanus jab because the squirrel broke my skin, said one technician who lives in the neighborhood who was ambushed by the psychotic tree hopper while smoking on the patio. He added that I know someone else, too, who had to have the tetanus jab because theirs didn't stop bleeding. Well, during the course of its two-day biting spree, which apparently has come to an end, the bloodthirsty squirrel reportedly injured 18 people with a staggering 21 attacked since the 23rd. Well, Stripe, the squirrel, as he's now named, injured a whopping 18 people in just two of those days. Well, salvation finally came on Monday after 65-year-old Buckley resident Corrine Reynolds decided to trap the um, hairy villain. Locally known as the Bird Lady, the mom of seven had been feeding the squirrel since the summer. Hmm. But decided to act after getting bitten on the hand herself and seeing all the Facebook posts regarding the attacks. To be honest, he was giving me cause for concern with his unusual behavior. She wondered if Stripe had something going on inside his head like a tumor. 
Well, she said that she especially worried about the animal's violent tendencies as she had an elderly lodger on blood thinning drugs and a two year old grandson playing in the garden as well. Well, in order to protect them, she snared the rogue rodent by putting out a cage in her uh, garden filled with peanuts, Stripe's favorite snack. Well, the senior then handed him over to the RSPCA, which euthanized the critter. A moment of silence. As it's uh, illegal to release them into the wild in the UK. So the wily wild squirrel sadly is no more. Well, a Florida couple found 80,000 nice bees in their home shower wall amid bathroom renovations. Removing the insects and the 100 pounds of honey found with them took more than five hours and came at the cost of $800, which was not recovered from insurance. Well, this is something you have to see to believe. A Florida couple recently learned that they were in a sticky situation when a seven foot tall beehive holding an estimated 80,000 of the creatures and 100 pounds of honey was uncovered behind a shower wall in their home during a bathroom renovation. Stephanie and Dan Graham of St. Peter's, Florida, said that they removed a beehive near their shower several years before this discovery and continued to spot the insects inside their home afterward. But, you know, didn't think much of it. We both really love nature and we love bees. Uh, said one of them. Uh, we're like, we'll leave you alone. You leave us alone. They're nice bees. So we, uh, we're like, sure, go ahead, live in our shower. Why, why does the, the word like have to be inserted? Is it like having bees or did you actually have bees? Anyway, I digress. So when the couple recently decided to update their bathroom, they called in a professional beekeeper who runs the bee-centered company, How's Your Day, Honey?, Pretty clever title. Anyway, in case any of the insects were uncovered during the project, well, the Grams were shocked to find that the bees they had spotted in their home belonged to a hive of thousands. Wow. Eight, 80,000. Just a reminder. Well, after arriving at the home to take care of the bee situation, Bixler, the beekeeper, told the local news that she used a thermal detector gun to locate the hive, which showed that the temperature was around 96 degrees. The measurement the outlet noted was typical for a hive. Well, breaking away at the wall within the bathroom, they discovered how serious uh, of a bee situation the Grahams had. As soon as they saw where the uh, bees were located, uh, they started breaking away and the tile and unveiling the massive seven-foot hive. Most of it was honey. Well, Bixler sorted through the bees, a process which the Times noted took more than five hours, came at a cost of $800, which wasn't covered by the insurance, and was able to find the queen bee, uh, whom she said... Um, uh, was put in a protective cage and placed inside a box with the other bees to be relocated where the bees could thrive. Wow. If you've been reluctant to um, receive the vaccination, this might be the incentive you've been looking for. Tasty bits of bread did the trick for about 700 sheep and goats to join Germany's drive to encourage more people to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Well, the animals were arranged on Monday into the shape of a roughly 330-foot syringe in a field in Schneverdingen, south of Hamburg. Well, Shepherd Weike Schmidt-Kochen, or something very like that, spent several days practicing with her animals, according to the local news agency. But she said in the end, it wasn't difficult to work things out. She laid out pieces of bread in the shape of a syringe, which the sheep and goats gobbled up when they were let out in the field. The organizers said the action was aimed at people who are still hesitating to get vaccinated. 
Sheep are such likable animals, she said. Maybe they can get the message over better. So sheep, arranged in a random field, in the shape of a syringe, was designed to encourage people to get the vaccination. Maybe I'm missing something, but... I mean, it was a clever ploy. It was an accomplishment, but... Yeah, I don't know. Well, the percentage of the population that has received at least two shots stood at um, 71.2% there. Uh, Those who have received a booster shot has increased much faster in recent weeks and now stands at 38.9%. Again, this is in Germany. So maybe that would influence the German population to be vaccinated. I'm not quite seeing it, but then again, I'm an American. We're just about out of time, but... uh, Coming up after news and traffic here at the top of the hour, we're going to hear from the Christian Outlook, where you'll have an opportunity to hear from some of the talk show hosts from around the country as they cover a number of topics. Um, when uh, Faith is Forbidden is one of the books that Todd Nettleton has written, and uh, they'll be talking about also Live Not by Lies, a book written by Rob uh, Dreyer, will also be discussed, and Albert Moeller will have a commentary on religious liberty. All of that coming up in the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. So I hope you will stick around uh, to enjoy just that. Am I out of time? Yep, I am. Officially out of time. We're going to take a quick break. News and traffic up next. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 